Integrity. Few have it these days, but Pastor Dave says it's essential for those in leadership. Integrity is such a, is a word that we almost ignore. It's rare for us, but integrity means, you know, in math, an integer is a whole number, 1, 3, 5, 17, as opposed to a fraction, one and a half, one and three-fourths. That's what integrity is. It's whole numbers. It means I am who I am. I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not. And for leadership, the most important thing for who you follow and for who you are going to be if you want to influence other people is it starts by being real. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hand. And the instrument I play. Wake up my voice. Let the world hear me say you are worshipped and it's all to hear today. You're listening to The Balanced Word, online at thebalancedword.com. Today we spotlight 2 Samuel chapter 23. After all that King David has been through, he wants to point out what's most important here at the end of his life. He says a person who is going to influence others needs to be just and have a fear of God. That's a needed word for us today. Here's Pastor Dave Rolf with part one of Forgotten Heroes. Well, we are getting towards the end of 2 Samuel, if you've been with us. This, is a, this has been a challenging and enjoyable journey through the life of David, one of the greatest people in the history of the Bible. We've gone through earlier, back to last year, we went through 1 Samuel and seeing him as a young man, and then in 2 Samuel watching his reign as king over Israel, all the challenges, some of his failures, the whole story. Now we've come to the part of the book where he's wrapping things up. It actually doesn't record his death in 2 Samuel. The first chapter of 1 Kings is what gives us that final chapter. But the last time we were in 1 Samuel, a few weeks ago, we were in chapter 22, where David wrote this psalm. And it's kind of clear that the psalm was the last thing that David wrote. The last time that he really prophetically scripted something creative that would be a hymn. Now, when we get to chapter 23, we actually, it's kind of an artificial division between chapters 22 and 23. You know, the, in the original, it's all one book. It's all one scroll. It, it wasn't like there weren't chapter breaks. And David's last song that he wrote in chapter 22 is concluded in the first part of chapter 23. But there's a little bit of a shift as he puts a, some notes in about himself and what he learned. And it's all really incorporated into this psalm. But let's just look at 2 Samuel 23. We're going to see his conclusion of his psalm really is the first seven verses. And then the rest of the chapter, it's easy to overlook it because it seems like kind of a boring list of a bunch of soldiers. And um, we'll look at that some too. And it's interesting that David put that in as a capstone on his life. So we'll get to that. But in verse one, now these are the last words of David. The son, David, the son of Jesse, he remembered who he was. He remembered he started out as a youngest kid. Jesse never really sang David's praises. 
kind of sent him out in the field to work, used him as a messenger boy. And David's like, now I'm the king of Israel. Now I have a palace. Now I am in charge of the entire country. I've accomplished a lot. I've written a bunch of songs. I have a bunch of wives and kids and concubines. I'm like, I'm there. But I never forgot. I'm the son of Jesse. I'm still that same kid. I'm still that same guy. Thus says the man raised up on high. I started there and God has lifted me up and I'm still amazed by it. The anointed of the God of Jacob. I'm the guy that God anointed. Still that same guy. And the sweet psalmist of Israel. Besides doing everything that I've done, the whole nation and really God's people for thousands of years will be worshiping God using my poetry. Kind of incredible. The spirit of the Lord, verse 2, spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He said, most amazing of all at the end of my life to think that things that God wanted to say, he said it through me. That people heard me and they heard God. And he's just like, unbelievable. He had a sense that what he was writing was actually scripture, but that it was also faithfully producing the truth about God in a way that people could understand. And so now in verse 3, in the middle of the verse, he kind of gives the point of everything. He goes, here's the bottom line lesson that I kind of want to conclude with. And he gives this principle. He who rules over men, that is a person who is in a position of leadership, must be just, ruling in the fear of God. He said, after everything I've been through, this is the most important thing. A person who is going to influence other people needs to be just and have a respect and a fear of God. Now, that word just is, is used in a lot of different senses. It certainly means that you do the right thing, that you want the right thing. At its essence, it means you're fair. And really, if you wanted to summarize it with a word that we use a lot, he says, if you want to represent God, if you want to lead people, do it with integrity. Integrity is such a, is a word that we almost ignore. It's rare for us. But integrity means, you know, in math, an integer is a whole number, 1, 3, 5, 17, as opposed to a fraction, 1 and a half, 1 and 3 fourths. That's what integrity is. It's whole numbers. It means I am who I am. I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not. And for leadership, the most important thing for who you follow and for who you are going to be if you want to influence other people is it starts by being real. You do not play a game with pretending to lead when really you don't even know who you are and people don't even know who you are. This is not an act. This is not a performance. This is not a scheme. If you want to lead people, start with integrity. Start with being real. But he goes on and says, that's such a blessing. In verse 4, he'll be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, tender grass springing out of the earth by clear 
shining after rain. He's like, a person with integrity is so refreshing. Like, you hear them and you're like, I can't believe somebody's actually saying what I was thinking, but I never heard anybody say it because it wouldn't be a self-serving advantage in order to do it. And it's like, every once in a while, don't you just meet somebody and go, their honesty is so refreshing. I'm glad you said that. Well, he's saying, that's what a leader is supposed to be like. That's the quality that a leader needs. And so, and who could argue with that? That's certainly true. But here's the next thing is really interesting too. Although, verse 5, my house is not so with God, yet he has made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? Here's the thing. He says, leaders need to have integrity, and I'm not saying that I have integrity. I love it. it. It would be so easy for him to say, If you want to be used by God, you should be like me. That's true, but he doesn't say it. Because if he said, a leader needs to be just before God, like me, he just disqualified himself from integrity. One of the first signs of integrity is when a person tells you they don't have it. When a person admits that they have flaws, that that they are sometimes not sincere, but that they are sometimes appalled by their own behavior. And it's, again, it's this interesting catch-22, like the old story about the kid who they gave him a medal for being humble, then they took it away from him because he wore it. It's like, (laughs) if you're saying, we need integrity, like me, whoops, you just sacrificed your integrity. So you need to find leaders who are real and real enough to admit that they're far from being perfect. They can admit their flaws. They can, you know, at the same time, what they desire with all their heart is for God to work in their lives in such a way that they become more this way. And so David is setting himself out as an example in a very clever way to demonstrate his humility by pointing out that he is far from being perfect. The only perfect leader was Jesus. Everybody else was flawed. But there's a difference between somebody whose agenda is to get whatever they want or to be able to make a contribution to others. And it's really hard to sometimes know the difference between the two. And you know, ultimately, this is a problem even among Christian leaders. At what point am I promoting myself And at what point am I trying to stay out of the way so that, in fact, God looks good, so that he can get the glory, so that I am admitting, man, I need him as much as everyone else does. So David, in the end, is saying, be careful, because people are tempted to promote themselves. And when they do, they are disqualifying themselves from truly being a leader of integrity. So, But then he gives a contrast and says... And again, like, look, I'm not saying that way. It's the grace of God that allows me to do what I'm doing, basically, he lays out. But then he says, verse 6, the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away. They can't be taken with hands. These prideful, selfish, manipulative people, 
The man who touches them needs to do it with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they'll be utterly burned with fire in their place. So this is David's capstone on his life, basically. And on here's what leadership is like. It's one of the reasons why later on in 1 Kings, when he talks to Solomon before David dies, he's challenging him. You know, this isn't about you. This is about God. It's about his character. It's about his people. And you need to have integrity. Solomon did that sometimes. Sometimes he didn't. In the end, God called him the wisest person to ever live. So overall, I think there's an awful lot that Solomon gave us that was good. But David, in the end, is saying, this is the most important thing. The most important thing isn't your talent, isn't how many people you can attract, isn't how people rate you, isn't how much you accomplish. It's, are you real? And boy, that's super important. If David, the guy who is the greatest leader in all of the Old Testament history, arguably, the one who Jesus later, the last chapter of the Bible, brags about being related to him, sounds like he knows something. So when he's saying, here's my last word, then I would say we should listen to it for sure. Now the rest of the chapter from verse 8 on is a mostly boring list of a bunch of people you've never heard of for the most part. He lists a whole bunch of soldiers, his mighty men, he calls them. And he tells, he starts out by telling a few stories of some of the things they did. And then he's just like, oh, guy, this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. Most of the people in this chapter you've never heard of because their name doesn't even appear anywhere else in Scripture. Some of them appear in the parallel passage in First Chronicles, but nowhere else. So David's winding things down. He's writing this poem, and now it's like he's going, but there's some people I want to talk about. There are some stories I want to tell you. There are people who you've never heard of that I don't want my life to end on a look-at-me thing. I want to let you know, people who made a difference in my life that you, they never got the glory and most people don't even know who they are and many of them died serving faithfully. And so he starts in and you look through and he starts out with this guy that's called Adino, uh, the Esnite. He got in there because he killed 800 men at one time. So in this one battle, it would seem like Now, in Chronicles, the same guy says he killed 300. So there are people who are like, oh, it says 800 here. It says 300 here. Do the math. If he killed 800, he also killed 300. So, you know, what's the problem? But it isn't the point. The point is this guy fought against all odds. We don't know. This may have been the end of his life. But David's just going, that guy did a lot of damage. It's hard for us. Many of us were raised in a, in an era of history where, like, peace is the ideal. You know, we just want to be at peace. We just want to make peace. We need to talk peace. We need to, I grew up in that, you know, oh, this peace. There's nothing that we have, and it's important to remember on a Memorial Day for sure, there's nothing that we have that somebody didn't die so that we could have it. That's the way it is. That's the way you get countries. That's the way you get rights. That's the way you get freedom. That's the way you get a future is because somebody's willing to give their life. And David's saying, you never heard of this guy. Give several different names for him even. But man, 
I'll never forget that day when he fought his heart out and he did a lot of damage. And that's something that as I've come to the end of my life, I want to honor him. And then he goes on. <laughs> after talking about that guy, he talks about the, um, after talking about Adina, then he said, then there was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. We were battling against the Philistines and the Jews were mostly running away. But he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. This guy, David's like, he fought so hard that his hand got stuck to the sword. You could not, and we don't know if this guy died in this battle and they had to pry his cold dead fingers off the handle of the sword or we don't know. But somehow it inspired people to go, if he could fight like that, they had a great victory in a lot of, but, but it's like, are there people that you can think of who just wouldn't quit? Who just, they became incapacitated because they were hanging in there so hard, so desperate, wanting to do something that God had called them to do. David remembers this one and he goes, this guy's not famous. Nobody really knows who he is. He didn't write a book of the Bible. In fact, as you read through the stories, he doesn't even show up except right here. But David goes, I'll never forget him. And I want to put it on record. That guy was special. And then after him was, was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. Verse 11, the Philistines had gathered together to a piece of ground that was full of lentils. It was where they had their vegetables growing. This guy made the list, Shammah, because he got in the middle of the field and put his life on the line to protect the food supply. See, protecting vegetables? I don't know. I probably wouldn't mention it. But that was their survival. No one could win a battle if they didn't have nutrition and were able to eat. And so David's like, the guy that protected the kitchen... That guy is as much of a hero as anybody else. He made it possible for the soldiers to be fed. He was willing to fight to continue to keep the food supply going. And so he got listed. And then there's 30, he mentions these 30 guys that, you know, it was harvest time and David was in Adullam there in the wilderness and the Philistines had surrounded Bethlehem, David's hometown, and David was just sitting there going, man, you know what would taste good right now? When I was a kid, I remember that well right outside Bethlehem, and that water was so refreshing. It was so delicious. I'm here in the wilderness living in a cave. What I wouldn't give for some water out of that well that I drank from when I was a kid. And these three guys took off and battled their way, and we don't know how many soldiers died with them doing it, but we know about these three guys. They got a cup of water right under the noses of the Philistines, brought it back to David and go, here, does this taste familiar? David, as you read on in the story, he goes, I didn't want anybody to jeopardize their life for me. Man, I appreciate it, but he took the water and he said, I'm going to pour it out before the Lord. 
and he poured it out on the ground. And I'm sure they're like, what? But now he's saying, I understood what you guys were doing. You had my back. You wanted to take care of me. You wanted to make me more comfortable. You wanted to bless me. You wanted to cheer me up. And he's saying, as a leader, that meant so much to me. It meant more than just getting some water. And so he takes these three guys and he goes, I never forgot that. You're listening to The Balanced Word with our pastor and teacher, Dave Rolfe. Today's message is part of our study in First and Second Samuel called Kingdom Building. Stay with us for more teaching from Pastor Dave in just a moment. These programs are available by podcast at thebalancedword.com. You can also call and request a CD copy at 949-362-7475. You might also want to request the entire Kingdom Building series, again at 949-362-7475. We'd also like to offer you Pastor Dave's Through the Bible in a Year series on a USB thumb drive for a gift of $25 or more. Go through the Bible in a year with Pastor Dave by ordering this special series today. Again, call 949-362-7475 or order online at thebalancedword.com. Your gifts help to make these shows possible on stations like this one all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us with either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support. Donations can be made at thebalancedword.com. Have you had a chance to listen to Pastor Dave's one-minute messages? You can listen to those at thebalancedword.com and even join our mailing list so you can have them delivered to you each day. You can watch them on Instagram or Facebook too by following CC Pacific Hills. Pastor Dave would love to have you join us at Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Our service times on Sunday morning are at 8, 9.45 and 11.30. Directions and more information about the church can be found online at ccpacifichills.org. You can watch our live stream there too ccpacifichills.org. If we can pray for you in any way, we ask that you contact us through thebalancedword.com or by calling us at 949-362-7475. As we return to the message, we learn that it's sure important to have some people in your life that have your back and truly care for you. Now, this story tells something about, as a leader, that there were some guys who were totally loyal to David, who would risk their life to bring him a cup of water, to help him to feel more comfortable. Anybody who's ever been in leadership understands that, man, if there's somebody there that just cares about you, what a difference that makes, even in kind of silly ways. I, you know, I've had, as a pastor, you go through tough times and things are hard. And there are certain people, there was one person who just, you know, came to me and said, Dave, I'm afraid you're, you're going to fall apart if you just keep doing what you're doing. It wouldn't kill anybody for you to take a day off. Or you don't need to be here on Monday. Another time he went and talked, you know, he goes, you, the board hasn't given you a raise in like three or four years. And he went and talked to them and said, this is wrong. And and they rectified it. And it's like, a guy like that, it's just like, I don't want it for me. But you understand what loyalty is. You understand what love looks like. You, When there's somebody who you know has your back, even in some silly little thing that doesn't matter so much, man, leaders know what it's like to be betrayed. It happens constantly. 
I know in a church, there's always somebody who gets mad about something and leaves. But there are people who, you know, and I look in all the years I've been at this church, there are some people who have been here the whole time I was here. They were here before me, and they just continue to serve in amazing ways. And you don't know how much that means to just have somebody who has your back. I have people who pray for me every week and tell me that they pray. Just send me even a prayer. And I'm like, you don't know what that, it seems like a simple thing. But man, knowing that people have your back, knowing that people care about you and how you are doing and wanting to, to encourage you in any way that they can or they want to bless you, you know, some of the notes I get and things like that are just like, those are the things that keep you going. And I would never solicit it and I'm not now, and I really, I'm uncomfortable and embarrassed sometimes when people tell me, oh, I'm so amazing, and at the same time, it's like, I can't accept that. I have to offer that up to the Lord, but man, I'll never forget those times when I was at, on the mat at the count of nine, and somebody came along and said, here, I want to bless you, and so that's David, and he's like, I never forgot Discovering Balanced Living Through the Word of God, you've been listening to The Balanced Word. Set aside another half hour next time to hear another study in our Kingdom Building series from Pastor Dave Roth. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Wake up my soul, wake up early in the day, wake up my hands, and the instrument I play.